What's up, everyone? Welcome to Security Squawk Podcast. We are live. I'm here with my buddy, Andre, down in Miami. He doesn't have a fan on, so it must not be too hot. <laughs> and I'm still up here in Philly. We're getting warmer. We're thawing out. The water stopped running in my basement, thank God. So we get what happens is, is when the water freezes, it stays in the soil. Mm. Usually we don't get water in our basement, but when the, when the thaw comes, all the water comes yeah. down below the foundation yeah. has to get pumped out by the sump pump. So fun stuff that we get to deal with here up in the Northeast uh, with the changing weather. So welcome to podcast episode number 12. Uh, 12? No, 13. I don't know. We, we are... 13, right? Yeah, I believe it's 13. Yep. Yeah, I think I have the wrong. Yep. It's 13. So welcome to number 13. That is awesome. Uh, I am very happy with where we're going with this podcast. I think last week's episode was very helpful and informative to everyone. We talked about um, some of the questions that you should ask when you're hiring IT. So if you missed that episode, uh, and you're somebody who's looking to maybe hire in-house or you're looking to hire a company to do your IT, uh, we give you some pretty powerful questions you should ask and why you should be asking those questions. Uh, so you might want to check that out. Um, a lot of good information in there. And uh, we're going to parlay off that a little bit today and jump into some things that you should be looking for with managed service and then also with uh, something that's known as co-managed IT. Uh, and we'll explain what all that is, what it means, uh, and what you probably refer to it to as, is, you know, if you run an IT department or you're, you're in charge of the IT at your company. So we'll break all that down for you a little bit later in the show. Uh, but first, uh, Andre, what did you learn this week? You wanted to talk about something. And uh, I think it had to do with goals, right? Goals yeah. and, and accountability, right? And I think every business owner that I know of that's successful any, in any way um, that, I could, that I would consider successful does this, right? They do some level of goal setting and accountability. Um, and that's what you're going to talk about. You're going to talk about some of the things that you do to move yourself and your company forward. Uh, and maybe sometimes things go off the rails a little bit. And how do we how do we get them back on the rails? So go ahead. What do you got for us? Yeah, so um, we have this thing, which is like you said, it's a goal. And every every week um, throughout my master group, mastermind group, I repeat it. And, and the goal kind of goes something as far as what the type of client we're trying to get and you know what we're trying to get accomplished internally as well so we had a opportunity where in back of my head and back of my gut i knew it wasn't the best thing to do i knew it wasn't aligned with my goals but the money that was being flashed in front of my face was was pretty good it was going to be you know a few uh about you know 20 30 40 000 type of job uh, to do within like three or four weeks. So it was something where I was like, you know what, we can do it, but this does not align with my goals. And it also does not align with the um, the vision of the company and what we want to do. 
So nevertheless, you know, uh, I didn't listen to the advice of my mastermind group and some other people. And I went and then on the sales process, I started, you know, doing um, the visits and understanding the type of job we're going to have to do so that I can lay out the project. Well, two weeks later, um, I unfortunately would not be able to complete the job because of something beyond the client's control and my control. And we basically agreed that, you know what, we're not going to be able to move forward. But the biggest thing is, is like, I'm so glad that happened because the last two weeks, I have not been focusing on my real goals. Um, I was supposed to be doing, you know, my quarterly uh, calls with my clients. I was supposed to be doing more videos and just so much other stuff that I basically lost two weeks of time. So um, I guess the biggest lesson here is, is, you know, you have that gut feeling. That's the reason why you write down your goals. And, you know, in business, we all fail and, and we, we learn from our mistakes, but just definitely keeping focus on the bigger picture in your company. And one of our uh, group members, she, you know, she put, you know, not um, all revenue is good revenue. So just because a client is willing to pay you something or you have an opportunity or project, um, you really need to make sure that in, it, it focuses with your long term goal. Oh, my God, you're like you're like preaching to the choir over here. Um, yeah, I mean, we we know in this business that not what I say is not all MRR, which is managed recurring revenue, which is a pretty common thing in our industry. And not not all MRR is good MRR. Um, and I'll tell you right now, I learned that from uh, Gary Pika. Um, that's not something I came up with. Uh, and it's, it's very good advice, in my opinion. Um, so, uh, you know, you got to make sure because what a lot of people don't realize is that you the opportunity cost that's involved with making these decisions right so making sure that we're staying focused on our goals and moving towards our goals and not being distracted right and keeping that discipline of if this doesn't lead me to my goals then i just don't do it and that's something i learned when I read the book Essentialism. And when I read that book, it kind of really, I drew the line in the sand to where like, I'm, this is how I'm going to move forward living my life. Like I'm going to choose to do the things that, that get me to where I want to go um, and not just be kind of, you know, I, I guess I always felt like, I don't know if you felt like this, but I always felt like when I, when I didn't control my schedule, I was at the mercy of a lot of different people. I was at the mercy of, of their schedule versus my schedule. I don't know if you felt like that, but that's kind of how like I felt. And for me, I get very, very stressed out. And, you know, as we talked earlier in the green room, I try to avoid being in that mental state. Um, so what, that's why my schedule is very important to me, keeping it very structured and knowing what I'm doing. You know, I pretty much know what I'm doing for the next two weeks. And my schedule is like pretty much fully booked out. Um, and that's how I like it. So I don't know if you feel the same way, but that's- Well, no, it, it was the same way. I was trying to look for my little paper here. I, I keep my schedule, although I have it on the calendar, but on a, on a micro level, I actually put nine to 10, 10 to 12 and things like that. And as I'm working, I kind of just 
you know, check mark the things as so that I can make sure I accomplish my goals. And for that last two weeks, every day I was getting calls from that client saying, hey, we need you over here. Uh, we have this fire. And um, and and because it was still in the sales process, I didn't want to send any of my text because I need to yeah. be able to understand right. the, the job in its totality. So, um, yeah. I don't go too much about that. It's funny the excuses we make, like you just did right there, to to go back to being that pert that technician in the business, right? Mm-hmm. You, know, you 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 told yourself a lie, which is I need to be there. I need to be the one who like massages this because it's a new client, and I can't send a tech there because we don't fully understand the system. That's like that's not scalable right that's not some that's not an that's not a scalable mindset and that's not a scalable operation of your business so um but we do it all the time you know especially small business owners they they tell themselves these stories that you know necessarily they're not true and they don't align with you know the goals that you've set so you know kudos because you're aware of it, right? And awareness is how you get better. When you're not aware of it, you're never going to get better. So, um, good job. And you know, you're not going to take one of these deals ever again. I know it. Because <laughs> nope. nope. this lesson, you're just going to go back to it and go, nope, the last time I did that, I got burned and I got burned every time before that. And I thought I would give it one more shot. And when I did, as Brian likes to say all the time, no good deed goes unpunished, right? Yeah. <laughs> and this is also a good lesson of why you have to have partners where in this case, I could I know several people that would have loved this opportunity. And yep. I should have just said, Hey, I, I can't do it. However, let me introduce you to this person. And and if it's a large scale deal like ours, maybe I just work out something and say, Hey, if you get it, you know, just a little, you know, thank you fee or something like that. And if but as long as most importantly, they they take care of the customer, you know, and, and that's it. Thousand percent. I should have done. I agree wholeheartedly. Good job. All right. So today we want to jump into helping people out with a couple of things that you know are um, probably very elementary for our for people in our in our world and in our industry and in our business. Um, but jump into like what managed services are. Or managed security services or cybersecurity services um, that you might outsource. What they what good service looks like, and then when you're a bigger company, I mentioned at the top of the show talking about co-managed IT, right? And what that is, and like um, if you work in a company, and just at a high level, what co-managed IT is is basically. You hire a specific function. You hire a company to do a specific function for your company. So you may hire, you may hire somebody to come in and just do the cybersecurity or a piece of the cybersecurity, um, or they may come in and do the help desk, or they may come in and do your backups, or they may come in and and just do, or maybe they do cybersecurity backups and and you know some other things. It could be a, a variety of ways that you set up this relationship, but typically we look at co-manage IT as a larger company that has some internal resources, they perform a specific function, and then you know the rest of it is outsourced to a third-party company. 
and uh, those people, the internal people, manage that relationship. Uh, so that's co-manage IT. There's a little bit different uh, perspective from the buyer's perspective on what that looks like, and we're going to kind of run through that today and give you some tips on on what you need to look for. So, and then you know, flip side of that, managed IT. That's kind of like the more traditional uh, service that's offered by most third-party IT companies where you do not have any internal resource uh, to do your IT. Um, and you hire a company to basically take that over for you 100%, right? They're doing everything for you. You're focused on your sole operations and maybe sales, um, just like you would hire an outsourced uh, HR company or an outsourced bookkeeper. Uh, there's these IT companies out there, usually called managed service providers. You might hear managed service, managed security provider, and SSP, uh, or some people may call themselves just cybersecurity companies, but they also do managed services. Um, there are some cybersecurity companies that don't do managed services, um, so it's all over the map. Um, and I'm not here to say one way to set up your IT company is good or bad. Um, our perspective that we're going to give today is going to be from the shoes of somebody who is looking to buy these types of services in the situation that they're in. So to kick it off, we're going to jump right into managed services. Uh, so managed services, you know, you're typically going to buy managed services and you can have input here, but once you start to creep above 75 employees, you're you're flirting with co-managed or some kind of uh, internal resource that you're going to have in your company. So we're primarily talking about companies that are definitely under 100 employees, probably under 75 and more than likely under 50. Um, that are buying managed IT services where they are outsourcing the whole enchilada to a company and they're basically saying, you know, a company would say, like a business owner would say, I am not good at this. I sell flowers. I, you know, do engineering. I build homes. That's what I'm good at. I don't want to try this cybersecurity stuff. I don't want to try this manage. I don't want to try to manage my computers. I don't know the first thing about computers. So you hire a company to come in and be that expert for your business and that trusted partner for your business. Anything I say out of line there, you agree with all that or? No, totally agree. Okay. So let's jump into um, some of the things um, why you should not be trying to do IT yourself. Like you're like as a smaller company, why wouldn't I want to, if I'm a business owner and I know I need this support in my business, I'm at the point where I'm like 10 employees, I can't do it myself. Why, what, what, what are my options, Andre? And why would I consider hiring a managed service provider? Yeah, like you said, um, after about that 10 employees, that's when a business owner should get more serious because um, most importantly, time is money. How much are you paying your employees? where if they're down and you the owner are trying to just fiddle it with it doing youtube or google searches or looking on google just for a, a repair guy 
Um, at that point, you need to have someone that understands your systems. You need to have someone that maintains your systems. And in that way, um, things can be kept up and, and your employees essentially don't have to ask permission or say who manages our IT. If they can't print or if their computer is going slow or not turning on, they just know that they have a number that they can call with a familiar voice on the other end that can then, you know, either fix it remotely or, or they can dispatch someone on site. Yep. And then I pulled up the blog post we were talking about from our website at Exact IT Solutions. Um, and the first part of the blog post talks about proactive IT support. Um, why is proactive IT support? Well, what's the difference? Why? Why would we point this out in this blog post? Why would we say the word proactive IT? Is there a difference between proactive IT and not proactive IT? Yeah, and absolutely, because IT is one of those things that if everything is working well, the client is now asking the question, well, why am I you know, paying all of this money if, if they're not doing anything? You know, Especially if it's a situation where the only time the client hears from the IT side is if something breaks, if they're actually initiating that phone call. So, um, I, and, and unfortunately in our industry for many, many years, that was what was happening where, um, and it's still happening of course, but where you know IT companies were charging a flat fee and they would just sit back, they would put a couple, you know, antivirus software and very basic stuff and they would just sit back and literally just wait for the client to call and when it broke, they went and they fixed it and then they just continue that cycle. Yep, break fixed model, which we're very familiar with. Um, you know, it doesn't really work for businesses, honestly. And a lot of business owners think to themselves, like, you know, they're getting off cheap, so to speak, by just calling somebody when things break. Mm -hmm. um, but as, as our blog post points out, you know, cyber criminals are are proactive and they're smart and they're relentless. And if you just have somebody looking over your system when something breaks, they're not looking over your, your system when a cyber criminal is trying to break into your network. Um, and there's certain things that managed security providers can put on your system to detect this kind of stuff and, and, and react to it um, and make sure that you don't get hacked. Uh, but one of the things uh, I want you to talk about, Andre, is um, I think you'll agree with this statement and then hoping you can expand on it. But the the way I look at things is that in a way that companies are coming to us as, as a company that has kind of established itself as a cybersecurity first uh, IT company, we hear a lot of our, our people that we meet with uh, say, hey, I work with an IT or a managed service provider, but they don't do security. Um, so are you hearing a lot of that? And then maybe we can expand on like why an IT firm might not get into security or might not do security as part of their service offering because, um, you know, as you can see in the second paragraph here, this is the kind of basic stuff that managed service providers do, right? 
you know, they make sure everything on your network receives regular updates, security patches, and routine maintenance, right? They keep things running. Uh, and that's what we think of with traditional managed service providers. But there's also managed service providers, or they may call themselves managed service providers, or you, they may not call them anything like that. They may just say they're an IT company. That's kind of what we do at Exact IT. Um, they do security. And it, you know, unless you go to their website and really learn about the company, you might not realize that this is a security company that also provides managed services or vice versa. It's a managed service provider that also does cybersecurity. So talk about that. Talk about the difference between you know, the companies and, and, you know, why it's important that you align yourself with a company that aligns with your business goals. So if you need to be secure. Having a managed service provider that doesn't do cybersecurity probably isn't a good idea. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I, I would first go to what your industry is, um, because yeah. if you are an industry that's regulated or if you're dealing with finance, if you're dealing with clients, you know, credit cards, socials, health, anything like that, manage the, the traditional IT guy or, or company that does IT services, that is that is not a good fit for your company because they're not helping you protect you, the data that you have on your computer. Um, and that's kind of a, when we do, when I do my proposals and I'm providing, you know, the value and then I tell the client the price, a lot of times the client is like, wow, you're like two times, three times more than all the other proposals. And then I have to then re, uh, reiterate or break down the value that we're bringing in. We're not just, just the, you know, anybody can say they're proactive, but are they really proactive? What are they doing to be proactive? And also, how are they protecting your data? I mean, are they just selling you a antivirus and, you know, an Office 365 and just saying that it's unlimited remote and unlimited onsite? Or are they doing, you know, dark web uh, dark web are they doing phishing like there's so much other um aspects to the technology and protecting your employees that you as a business owner need to um you need to consider yeah yeah i agree with all that and then you have to look at too that the you know what does proactive what does proactive actually mean like what the business owner they might be listening to this and going well yeah i work with an it company i think they do a good job but what is what is good proactive service? What should that really look like to a business owner to, you know, if they're listening to this, they go, well, shit, I don't have that. Or, well, yeah, that's exactly what my IT company does. So, you know, I feel good about what I have. Yeah. So the first thing is, are they, does, the, does the IT company really understand what you do? Um, when was the last time they met with you? when it wasn't service call related? Are they meeting with you regularly, quarterly, monthly, depending on the size of your business? What new technology have they told you that they're implementing in their in your systems, um, you know, uh, since they started? You know, so how stagnant is that relationship? Because um, again, as we continue to mention with cybersecurity, things are changing. Like there's so much stuff that we have added in the last six months to protect our clients. And when we do, we tell them this is what we're doing because this has changed. The threat has changed. Hackers are now, instead of going left, now they're going left and right. And then in six months from now, now they're going to go through the middle. 
So what conversations has that IT company talked to you about? What's being set, said on their, on their social media, on their website, on their newsletters? Are they talking anything related to security? Or is it just more of a rosy picture, you know, oh yeah, we're doing proactive service, but they're not really telling you. Yep. Yeah, I, again, I agree with all that as well. I mean, that's the big thing. Like you really wanna be, you, you know, if, you, if you're serious about your firm, growing your company, you wanna be aligning yourself with an IT company that can help you get there. Cause you're not gonna get there in today's day and age without technology. And if you can figure out how to turn technology into a competitive advantage for your business, you're going to be better than your competitors and you're going to be able to use technology as a reason why somebody should do business with you, right? Because you've invested in the right technologies and, and, and your company is much more valuable to your clients or your prospects because of that. Um, so that is, you know, it, it's a way that you can start to position yourself to be a technology leader in your industry and use that to get bigger deals, bigger clients, you know, you know, charge more because people see the value in what you're putting together. So, so MSPs also goes on to talk about here, how you, how hiring in-house IT people is expensive. And we got into this a little bit last week. So if you didn't hear our talk last week, um, we got into this specifically talking about the things as a business owner that you should recognize or be aware of before you go hiring your own IT person. One of the things that I mentioned is that kind of like that vicious cycle that small companies get into when they think I need to hire an IT person and they throw an ad out there on Indeed or ZipRecruiter and they find somebody or they hire their nephew uh, or their, you know, their, their you know, neighbor's friend who's good at computers to come in and run the IT for their business. And I, I mentioned a couple of things, but one of the things I mentioned was that vicious cycle of probably needing to hire a new IT person like every two to three years because you're just not going to want to pay the salary increase that that person's going to achieve over the first three years of their career, which in some cases could could really double their salary. They could easily go from 30, 35,000 to, you know, 50, 60,000 in just a short period of time. Um, and opportunities for that individual are going to become greater. They're going to become more attractive to companies like mine who are looking for experienced IT people. And then we see, okay, you have three years experience working at this law firm. Okay, you know, you understand help desk. You, are, you, know, you get what, what it's about. So I'm more apt to hire him than somebody without that experience. And now you have to go find a new technician and he's going to learn on your dime He's going to, you know, you're going to have to teach him basically everything that you just taught the guy that left your company. Mm -hmm. um, because quite frankly, working in companies like ours are, is a more attractive option for tech people. Um, they're around tech people. They, you know, they get to work on a lot of different things in our business versus working in like a law firm and being the IT guy for a law firm or a title company or you know a real estate company or a mortgage company uh, i'm just thinking about all the industries that i know 
that tend to hire IT people before they even look at managed service providers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's much, much less expensive for people to um, do that. So um, what are your thoughts on the expense of hiring in-house versus hiring a managed service provider? I mean, I can give you a perfect example. We had one client that we recently took over. They had about 22 computers and they had someone on staff making on salary alone, not benefits and you know everything else, about $80,000 for 22 computers. And this owner thought that this was just the right way of, of doing things. They, And I think one of the things that they didn't like was that when they had an MSP company or, or an outside IT company prior to making it in-house was the response time. And that was that dealt mostly because the owner did not interview the right IT company and ask the right questions as far as what is your response time? Because in their industry, they or their, their business, they needed the ability that if something stopped working, it's not a ticket. It's just, hey, grab grab the IT person from the closet and bring them over here. So again, using the number 80,000 for, for, for uh, you know, about 22 machines, you probably could find a, um, you know, an IT uh, security company willing to take that contract, you know, roughly for that amount. And now, you know, and plus two, if that employee got hit by a bus, if they need to go on vacation, uh, and, and, and they're really, when we got in there, everything was very archaic, you know, because that person went to school, they learned a certain way in a certain system, and they were very behind a, a curveball when it came to te new technology. So, um, so like we had mentioned, I mean, unless the organization hits a number about 75 or so, uh, 75 or more employees where um, there's a lot more planning and organizational things that has to be implemented and, and done, you really should look at ha having um, an outsourced IT company. And then article goes on to say you can count on your MSP to minimize, you know, all this stuff related to cybersecurity, malware, spyware, hacks, blah, blah, blah. That's not for our company. And this is our blog and we're rep kind of representing ourselves here. That is true, but not as we talked about earlier, not all MSPs get involved in cybersecurity, nor do they have the expertise. So you need to make sure that if you're concerned about cybersecurity, that you are aligned with a IT uh, company or a managed service provider who does cybersecurity. So, you know, you should be having regular conversations about this and you, you will know if you're questioning or you're saying, well, I don't have uh, these conversations with my IT company or person, you probably don't have an MSP who has a strong bench around cybersecurity. But not only that, like think beyond cybersecurity, right? Think, natural disasters, floods, fires, like anything that could hamper your business. The expectation today from most businesses is that no matter what happens to your business, you're able to operate. Mm -hmm. right? Nobody wants to hear that their vendor that they hired to do a certain part of a prod, a bigger project that they may belong to. And I think of like, you know, Department of Defense contractors that we work with who you know, they outsource a lot of what they do to smaller companies, right? And the expectation is, is that smaller company is going to deliver 
what they're getting paid for, and it's going to help move the project along so then that that company can then deliver whatever they're delivering to the federal government, right? Right. And nobody wants to hear that one of their smaller vendors now can't operate and now they're not you're not going to be able to deliver this on time or at all which will jeopardize your big contract with the government and then your ability to bid on contracts in the future um so the expectation for a lot of bigger companies is is that you're going to be able to operate no matter what happens in in your business and you have a plan to carry on and really good managed service providers understand this and they work with businesses to to build this. Um, so if you're not having discussions with your IT company, your IT manager, this is just foreign to you, what we're saying, then you're probably not aligned with a good company. They should be working with you to put a disaster recovery plan in place, an incident response plans in place. These are all things you're gonna wanna have documented because you don't wanna have to remember things you don't want to have to figure out what do we do next in the middle of a high stress situation. Yeah. Um, so doing this ahead of time, having it planned out and then doing tabletop exercises or actual real fire drills around this stuff is, is really, really key and really important and a real differentiator when it comes to, am I working and aligning myself with a good IT company or not? Um, so the last thing the article goes in and talks about is, is time um and i mentioned this uh before we went live um and this goes in and talks to like there's some it companies out there that will basically answer the phone when you call right um might have a friendly voice on the other end of the line but like and this is the, the crazy one to me like we we just had an experience with this and like we just took over an it company and this will paint a good picture for people to understand what's out there right what what's good it and bad it right so we took over our client and i met with the ceo wednesday and we got really good feedback uh from them like you guys are such a breath of fresh air you guys are amazing um and i was kind of like what because my head wasn't there where she was and and her perspective was this that every time she called her previous it company number one they had what's known as admin rights on their computers so that basically means like when they want to install software they they could do it um and really in a business you should you were in a time right now where you should not be giving admin rights to systems that are being used, right? So like as IT people, we need admin rights to do our jobs, right? But I don't need admin rights to log into my computer and do 98% of my daily work, right? There may be 2% of the time where I need to use an admin credential to install software or update something, right? So don't leave the admin rights on there a hundred percent of the time when you don't need it a hundred percent of the time you're just giving a hacker keys to the kingdom so to speak right if they can get into your system and you have full control then they have full control and that's just silly like if they can get on your system you want to limit what they can do if they're on that system right so you know that's the idea behind it 
And I guess the way this IT company looked at it as is, well, you have admin rights. You can go and do these things yourself. You don't need to bother mm -hmm. us, right? So they're like, so they would call up with a problem, and you know, let's say it's a problem with QuickBooks, right? And you know, here at our company, my team will go, okay, you're having a problem with QuickBooks. Let let us call into it and find out what's going on there, and, and work with into it to come up with a resolution to your problem. Her old IT company, they would call up and it would be, yeah, why don't you call into it and, and take care of that yourself, right? And get that taken care of. So then now the business owner hangs up that call and then they have to spend time on the phone with Intuit, which if you've ever spent any time on the phone with Intuit or Microsoft, it's kind of the same experience. It's awful. Yeah. Uh, so not only are you putting the client in a position of having an awful experience with, and doing something that they're not really qualified to do, you're also causing them to lose money because that CEO or the employee of that company can't do the job that they do, which probably generates revenue for the company. So now it's kind of like that technology debt clock just sped up a lot faster, you know? Um, and I just kind of wanted to illustrate and, and paint the picture to business owners as to what's out there and, and what the difference is between companies because, you know, we get painted with the same brush. We're all the same. You know, oh, you're, you're, you're a manager, right? You know, you're just like this guy. And, you know, I know in my business how we do things, how we show up in the morning, how we drive culture, how we build process. I know other MSPs aren't doing that and they're not the same and we're not the same. Um, and, you know, it's important to people that people know this. And that's why we're mentioning this on the podcast. So in terms of time, Andre, what are some things that you've seen where companies have made mistakes, maybe trying to do things themselves or not necessarily looking at it from a perspective of they can outsource this and it'll be a lot better? Uh, yeah, that goes to saving the buck. Usually that's when we see it. We see a... Uh, uh, owner who has a, a cousin at a, at a local university studying computer science, or, you know, we always hear one of those things, or one of the employees has a friend or husband, and now they come in after hours to set up the network, and, and usually it's a big hodgepodge. It's, it's, a, it's networking equipment that's purchased from, you know, a retail store, and um, it's not the right, uh, it's not the right business or enterprise equipment. Um, a lot of times we see um, these people that are coming into the and working in the business, they then, you know, install bootleg software, unlicensed software, and they just set up things so wrong that you just basically have to come in and just blow up everything. And now that's um, that's when the owner pays again. They're paying twice for the for the for, you know, for the same end result. Right. Yeah, I haven't seen that in a while. I used to see it all the time, but I I haven't seen pirated software in a long time. Um, but it's something we used to walk walk in. We yeah, would I would even say in today's time, it's like they'll take the Microsoft Office license and then use that one license for five people, right. and then try to use something like SharePoint, where right. it just causes big confusion. Uh, in our teams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why can't, why can't we log in the Teams? Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. We would we would run network scans and 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 it would come back and like we would have like thirty five office licenses with the same key. Yeah, I'm like, did you have an open license with Microsoft? They're like, no. I'm like, right. uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, 
All right, so I'm going to pop up the second part of our of our talk here today. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. Uh, we're going to wrap up here in about five minutes. But uh, we mentioned what co-managed IT is, and you know, a lot of a lot of times this is an IT manager, a CIO, uh, IT director, or somebody in charge of IT at a company that might not have the expertise or might not have the time to handle a certain aspect of, of that, of the technology in that business. A lot of companies outsource to cybersecurity because cybersecurity is a whole different skill set than, you know, connecting computers and making sure a network runs efficiently. Um, and if you're a bigger company and you only have like one or two resources, they're going to be busy with that alone right? Making sure the network can run, making sure that the computers are working and, and just solving the issues of your employees. Um, and to ask them to then do cybersecurity, you're asking them to learn it, stay on top of it and implement it in your company. And that all takes time. Um, and if they're already maxed out or they're at full utilization uh, in, in that work, in, at your work in that role, they're not going to be happy when you pile on, oh, you have to do cybersecurity for us as well. Um, so what are some other things that you're aware of in terms of co-managed IT? Um, are you doing co-managed IT with any any big firms? And then what, you know, what does it look like from your perspective? Yeah, so we used to do co-managed IT um, and really because you had the owner who you know wanted to live in Miami instead of Connecticut or something like that, and 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 he may have given the option for some team members to uh, move you know to Miami as well, but then their corporate office was um, was still in another state. So in, as far as co-managed IT in that aspect, that's what we've been involved in. Um, we have we have um, done quotations where you have an IT director, but he's you know looking at higher level stuff he and he he may have a like a basic technician that kind of just runs around the office and things like that and we came in where we wanted to you know be that managed service provider be that backup for that level one technician but um it didn't work out and i believe they just ended up going in-house yeah so i mean co-managed it doesn't work unless in my opinion unless you have Let's put it this way. Co-managed IT needs to, when you call it co-managed IT, somebody at your company needs to be kind of the decision maker and not, and not the CEO, right? Right. Otherwise, if you're just bringing in a company to do the higher level stuff because you have like a level one that, that goes around like you described, that's not really co-managed IT in my opinion. That's more or less like... <clears throat> you want the frontline stuff to be handled by somebody that you own that works in your company and the rest of the stuff you want to work with a managed service provider. So I look at that as more of you're still working with an MSP. You just have a point of contact at your company. So we kind of call that point of contact um, where we won't, we, we won't provide the level one, level two stuff. That point of contact there does. 
but we are working with the CEO and, and the decision makers on the strategy and the planning. Whereas with co-managed IT, you may get involved in that as the managed service provider IT company, but there's usually somebody in the company who has, you know, that level of authority or they're that high in the in the in the organizational chart where you're working with them and helping them make decisions and you're an asset to them. Uh, you know, you make them look good. Let's put it that way, right? Because mm -hmm. um, I think that's the big challenge with these guys who, when a CEO comes in or when somebody who is in these roles says, I kind of need help, but if I bring in this company, that, that might make me look bad, right? They build up all this head trash that, you know, if I bring in this company, I, you know, that's my job security. Like, this is my job security. No, like the attitude should be, I'm going to bring this company in and we're going to knock it out of the park and it's going to make me look good. Right. And that's where we come in. Like we always work with IT managers and IT directors and say, we're going to, we're going to make you look like a superstar to your board or to your CEO. Um, and we're going to work with you to make sure that you have world-class IT services. We're not here to compete with you. We're not here to take your job. Um, we're here to develop a very strong and and long bond with you and help you be the best that you can be. Uh, and I think that's the approach that a lot of IT companies need to take uh, when they're marketing their services to this. But if you're a CEO and you're like, what's this co-managed IT? Should I do this for my business? Um, yeah, you should because we're going to enhance your team. We're going to enhance the people that you've hired that you probably believe in and want to keep on your team. And what you're doing is you're bolting on that expertise and you're enhancing your, your system. So any parting words that you want to leave our audience before we close it out for the day? Today is Friday. Write down your goals that you want to do for Monday today. So that way, when you come back to the office, um, you leave everything else alone and you just work on those goals and then you check your emails and you check everything else. So I do, I do Sunday planning, right? Okay. So Sunday planning. I, I sit down at some point on Sunday, depending on what I got going on a day, it might be in the morning, it might be at night, but I, I make it a point to take, it doesn't take me long. It takes me maybe 15 minutes and I go through my entire week ahead and I look at everything that I have planned out. I, color code things based on whether they align with my goals or not. And then that way, when I'm going through my day and maybe I have to shift my schedule around, or maybe I just deem something like this is not important and I got something, a bigger fish I got to fry and I can move this out or move it down a week or two on my schedule. Um, but that helps me stay focused on the goals and make sure that I'm spending time, uh, in the right areas of my of my day, you know, doing the right activities that lead to, um, you know, successful goals. So, so that's it, folks. Hopefully, you got some tips here today. Um, if you did, uh, please make sure you rate us on wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether it's iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Run over there, give us five stars. Uh, we do record this on a Facebook page or, and a YouTube channel. If you just search Security Squawk, you will see the video of the live recording of this. Um, we do share our screen every here and now and then. So 
um, you know, sometimes you might want to check out, you know, the video side too. Uh, you can always drop comments in Facebook and, um, and YouTube, and we will answer those. Uh, but the only thing that we ask if you were entertained, if you learned anything today, please share out our podcast to your social media so your friends and family can learn from what Andre and I are preaching about cybersecurity and more so about business. So uh, we hope you all have a good weekend. Look for us next week. We'll see you then. Take care.